0: Today is Monday, July 10th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast, and I'm your host, Nate. Today, we talk about the 10 Atheist Non-Commandments. We start off our uh, our um, resident atheist, Michael. Uh, starts off giving his take about a little bit of the Ten Commandments we were talking about. I made I made another video. It's on my channel. You guys can find it. Uh, you can check out uh, bitshoot.com slash ask a Christian. It'll be there. But I went through the Ten Atheist Non-Commandments they, they made. And uh, the Bible just mops the floor with them. Like, they tried to one-up the Bible, and I believe they failed miserably. Um, so check out that video if you'd like um, to know more in context of what we're talking about. Otherwise, you can hear uh, Michael give his take on a few of them to start. Then someone asked what the most peaceful religion is. It seems like, you know truth doesn't matter or accuracy doesn't matter but what is the most peaceful religion how do you get along better with people well we should be at peace with all men i mean christianity the bible says that live at peace with all men as much as dependent on you um and the great commission you know go tell people about jesus and eternal life and if they want to hear make disciples of them if they don't shake the dust from your feet leave them to their fate god will be their judge not us so it should be peaceful But then we move on to, well, I believe there's a heaven, I believe there's a hell. They're like, see, that's emotional torture. I'm like, okay, if you want to say my sincerely held belief that I'm trying to warn you about is there is a hell, don't go there, that's emotionally traumatizing to you? Well, instead of lying to you and be like, oh, God bless everybody, just do you, and, you know, life is beautiful, you are God. I mean, if you want me to lie, I can make it real peaceful, but I don't want to do that. So I want to tell you there is a hell and there is a warning to stay away from it. So... Follow Jesus, live forever, be reconciled to your creator. Um, so anyways, I'll give them that. If they say, well, there's a peaceful religion that doesn't have any scary stuff, great. As far as here on earth, it, you may have you may feel like you're peaceful and not ruffling feathers, but if you die in your sin, you're going to burn in the hell that you don't want to talk about because it makes you uncomfortable. Um, anyways, so really, the crux is do you want people to lie to you or tell them what they sincerely think? I choose that one. Tell me what you really believe. Don't beat around the bush. As we later get to... When our friend Harold, (laughs) are we still friends? I don't know. Um, But uh, kind of does that, kind of walks me down this road. I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for the gotcha, waiting for the gotcha. And it just goes nowhere. And then it turns into a kerfuffle, and I I get a little hot under the collar. Stick around, you may see it. But um, I don't know. I, I don't like deceiving, slimy practices. Just be upfront, be honest, be truthful. If what you believe is on such solid ground, you don't have any reason to hide or be conniving about it. Stand up for what you believe in and say it. If people agree, great. If they don't, you just disagree. Um, so don't hide. You know, it's like the, it's like antithetical to, to the whole message of Jesus and Christianity. You don't need to hide. Like this light, the city on a hill, you know, with the light shining. Like, say what you believe. Say it boldly. Say it with conviction. Tell people what you sincerely believe. Um, by the time we start trying to trick people or be like, oh, well, let's lead you down this trail. Let's lead you down this trail. Aha, gotcha. Great, Satan. Um. Anyways, have an awesome day. Enjoy this podcast. And check out the Ask a Christian book, free to read with the Kindle Unlimited subscription. It'll be releasing on a new platform soon. I'll keep you updated. And you can check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a T-shirt, support the podcast, encourage civil discussions about Christianity. And you can also donate to keep us going and keep us sharing the gospel with people on the internet because people are always going to need more Jesus, not less Jesus. So um, enjoy this. Share these links. Have a good day. We'll see you next time.
1: Um, But I still, I personally still think the evidence falls on the side of vaccines are incredibly efficacious. Um, So that's why I think I still stand so far. Two, it says, strive to understand the most likely to be true, uh, and not what uh, you wish to be true. That that's interesting. That kind of like your response to that, I think, falls a little bit to Pascal's wager a little bit, because you mentioned that um that a lot of people don't want God to be real because they're afraid of the consequences, um, and while that might be true for some, that's not true for me. Um, I don't, I don't care whether. God exists or not? Like I don't have a I don't have a dog in that fight. Um, to me, the evidence falls on the side of it. Like, and again, we've talked about this before. I, I take the stronger stance. I don't fall on the stance of I don't think this is real. I fall on the stance where I think it's actually false, where I'm convinced it's actually false. Um, now, when it comes to the Christian God and again this this you know falls you know to hyper subjectivity because you'll you'll get a different opinion from every single person i think that you talk to um and that's i think the world i think if the christian god is the one that's real um i think the world is worse off for it um and i and the reason i think that is because of you know when you start to talk about the christian god you start to attach um you have to start to attach properties to that God. Um, and then when you start looking at those properties, for me, it becomes problematic when you look at things like, what you know, when you try to look at um, uh, the logical problem of evil or the evidential problem of evil, you know, or, uh, you know, the argument for pain and suffering, things like that. Um, and then the last one that got to uh, three, um, we actually agree. That the scientific method is the most reliable for testing the natural world, and 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 I I was I'm, I'm only about I think three quarters of the way you talking about number three, and it is interesting, right? Because we we seem to be blocked um, from from confirming any type of supernatural causation, right? Because the scientific method can only te- you know observe, test, and demonstrate the natural world. So we don't seem to have the capacity to test beyond that. And that's where I think it falls to, and and I didn't hear what your kind of conclusion was, but I, I think one of the only places you can go to is becoming convinced that a proposition is true or likely true and employing some faith. Like, I'm not sure where else you could go with that. And I'm curious as to what you think about what I said so far.
0: I will try to remember. Um, one, I, um, I'm sure there's something to respond to, but I can't think of what to respond to. So, Anyways, uh, let's see. Uh, I'll I'll just go in reverse order. So for what you said about the Christian God, remember, if some of the Christian God is true, let's talk about as it's all true. So if you said if the Christian God is true, the world is worse for it. If the Christian God is not true, the world doesn't exist. So the only way, um, I mean, it, it kind of becomes philosophical. You could say. Well, if the world is worse for it, well, I mean, that's the only way the world could exist. Uh, you know, without the Christian God being true in Christianity, nothing would exist to criticize the God or otherwise. So, you know, if we're, if we're going to take it as part of the Christian God is true, the parts that, you know, you would make a case for it's, it's bad or the world is, world is worse for it. Uh, if we take that all the way to the end, without the Christian God, the world doesn't exist. Um I mean, that, that would just be kind of the overarching point. There's a lot to talk about, like, you know, the good and bad and defending the God and like getting into free will and all this other stuff. But if you just take it like fast jump to the end conclusion, I mean, it makes the discussion kind of kind of short, but it's like without that God, nothing exists in Christianity. So what was um, the Pascal's wager? Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, I'm sure like there's you can find anyone to fit anything like in the rule of odds you'll find someone. So I, I really believe, and I'm sure you've got hints of this from talking to atheists and Christians. Some like you may just, um, you, you just sense that they, they need God to be true because they are scared of dying. Like they, they had a close run with death. They don't like the feeling like they're scared. They, they want to hope that there's an afterlife because of fear. Um, and then there'd be atheists that you have to have encountered. Um, and it seems like, you know, the way they talk about it, they they really, all, all the like key things you would expect them to say and kind of their, their emotion and like just their position they take seems like they, they would be scared. They would be in a fearful position if they if they let themselves believe the Christian God was real because whatever reason, like they think they've messed up too bad or they've done some terrible thing and, you know, they think they're going to be held accountable or they have a misconception of forgiveness or they don't think they can or they think, oh, crap. Um, something like that. So it's like, they're, they're almost, you, you get the sense that maybe they, I don't want to say brainwashed, but walked right at that, to that line, espousing a lack of a belief in a deity because they think, well, if the deity's true, oh crap. Um, and again, that's not everyone. Like, you know, I certainly wouldn't call myself that kind of Christian. If I honestly believe that when we just die, we cease to exist. Fine. Sign me up. I don't care. Like that. That's like, there's no downside. If I don't know, I don't know fine and i imagine that's the same way you are and lots of other christians and lots of other atheists are you're like if, if you really believe when you just die everything stops fine don't threaten me with a good nap um but yeah there are definitely people of the other persuasion too whether they admit it or not
1: that's interesting yeah uh yeah and i am of that persuasion that you mentioned. Um... But what's interesting is, and I'm I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, how many people, you know, and, and and again, purely subjective opinion, right? So nobody, you know, anybody that listens to this, don't hold Nate accountable for this because I'm just asking him what he thinks, right? Um <laughs> what percentage of the of the population of people who believe in a god? So not just necessarily Christian, right? Who believe in in an authority, right? Whether it be the Christian God, Muslim deity, uh, Hindu pantheon, whatever. How many of those people do you think, just as a guess, like as your gut instinct, are towing the line because they're afraid of the consequences?
0: Uh, you know, I think it's smaller percentage rather than larger. I, I mean, well, My total subjective, anecdotal evidence base just on the people I've talked to. It's a small and they could be lying, but the ones who like I, I really get that strong sense or like outright admit it, which are fewer still like some people admit it. And then everyone tries to talk them out of it. They're like, well, look, like even me, like, hey, as a Christian, you, sh- you shouldn't believe this because you're scared. You should believe and you're like hedging. You should believe it because you think it's right. Um. So, so I mean, the, there are some people who admit it, but that's a very small number. But then the larger number would be people I just like get a strong sense from that. That's them, whether they admit it or not. Um but but that's still a very a uh, rather small number of, of people I've believed to experienced uh being in in that group.
1: yeah, and it's got to be interesting right because i I mean like from when i I put on when I put on my my Christian hat like as a former a former believer, um, in my in my gut, I would have said that's not gonna work for you, friend, right? The Bible says that God's the reader of hearts, so he knows how you really feel. so if you think you can pull one over on God. Like, what are you thinking? Um, like that, that's my, and that's my honest first reaction to something like that. Like, wh- like, what are you, what are you hoping to accomplish? Like the, like the, you know, God, you know, like the Bible talks about, you know, knows, you know, numbers, the hairs on your head, all these other things, you know, knew you before the creation of the world, all this other stuff. And you think you're going to fool him, right? Like, th- like, that's my honest react. That would be, would have been my honest reaction, uh, as a, as a Christian at the time, um, but, it, but it's, uh, it, yeah, it, it is interesting because I have heard people say, um, there's a there was a great show uh, on Netflix, I, don't, I doubt you would have watched it, but it's called Afterlife with Ricky Gervais. No. Okay, you should watch it. Um, it is, it's probably not something you want your kids to watch. Um, because, you know, there's a little bit of language and stuff like that. And, you know, he's, a, you know, he's, he, it's, a, he, he, he has a rough go. Through through that series, there's three series. There's there's three seasons of it, but I think you should watch it. And w- one of the th- interesting things he says in one of the episodes is uh, he gets he's questioned by one of his coworkers, um, who who does believe in God, and and the coworker says, well, you know, if you don't believe in God, you know, you know, why don't you just go around, you know, uh, raping and murdering all the people you want? And he, he's sitting in the chair. He's like, he's like, I do. She's like, what? He's like, I, I do go around raping and killing as many people as I want to. And she has this puzzled look on her face. He's like, and that number is, is zero. I don't want to do those things. Right. Um, so it, it's interesting. But to, but to go back to my, my point was, it's interesting because on the flip side, um, there have been a few. And again, it's just just anecdotal. Right. But there have been a couple of people that I've I've heard. I've never spoken to any of these people. And I think I'm glad I haven't. Um, people who have said that if it were not for their their belief in God, that they that they would not be the good person that they are. Um I think I think there was actually one of the I think it was actually I wanna say it was on the non sequitur show, maybe. And uh like a number of years ago where I heard where I was watching one of the streams and I heard a, a Christian say that and it was frankly terrifying to hear, you know, and, and to, to those people, my thought is, you know, please, please don't ever lose your faith. Like if your faith is the only thing that's keeping you from doing bad things, I want you the best Christian that can ever be.
0: See, I've met one of those people who made no qualms about it. <laughs> and, um, th- there are atheists surprisingly holding to their principles of atheism they were trying to do the opposite of what you did. And they were trying to talk the guy out of it. I'm like, wait, this guy straight up. Okay. Well, I, I've talked about it before. Maybe you weren't here, but it was a long time ago. And there's this guy who I never met before. No one had, he just randomly found his way into the stage. We were speaking on online. And, um, he was like this, this very, um, large, big, gruff sounding voice, like, whatever. And he was telling us a story, and uh, apparently he found Jesus in, in prison, um, and he was in prison for murder. So he got out. Um, so he was telling us how he, like, you know, was a very angry, angry atheist. Not that all of them are. You're, you're presumably not. Um, but anyways, that. I mean, it's the story. So he is a very angry person, didn't believe in God, was, like, always in trouble for assaulting people, finally got in jail for murder. Um, found Jesus while he was in there, and he uh, he gets out of prison. So he was saying how you know he his walk with God and he was learning to be like Jesus and stuff like that, and it was it was helped him a lot. He was a different person, but he still had a lot of anger that he was trying to like work through from I don't know, whatever. Um, he's like, I gotta tell you, right now, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'd go down the street with a battle axe. He's like, I don't even care. Like, I just kill people. I don't even care. What like, um um like so do you mean like you could do that? He's like, no. If I didn't believe in Jesus and Jesus wasn't keeping me from doing this, I would go out and murder people. And uh, I'm just like, oh, so in my head I'm thinking, well, you know, you don't you don't want you shouldn't want to murder people because you shouldn't want to murder people. Um, But I'm thinking I'm not going to say that to the guy. Like, I mean, because, you know, if all all things lead to the same result. Sure. Keep believing in Jesus uh, to keep you from murdering people. Um, Keep doing that because for for my point, well, it's like, you know, the guy's a Christian, the guy's putting his faith in Jesus. He's got some severe stuff he's working through, and hopefully he's found peace by now. But the last thing anyone should try to do from a Christian standpoint is tweak his uh, Christianity and be like, oh, well, it's great that you believe in Jesus, but, you know, you also shouldn't murder people for this. But, you know what, I'm just going to let that lie. Like, yes, you keep going for Jesus. And the atheist. We're like, oh no, that's not why you should do that. You shouldn't do that. I'm like, guys, are you being serious right now? Just like, take the L and be like, hey man, if if it's keep be a good moral atheist. Be like, if this guy says his belief in his God is keeping him from legit murdering people, tell him to keep believing in that. Right? That's not the hill you want to die on. But like, well, technically, you don't have evidence for the position you hold. Be like, no. Be like, you want to be complicit in a guy murdering people because you want to talk him out of his religion? Um, I'm like, no. That's the time to to step up. Be like, you know what? I'll, i win the battle. I'll lose the battle to win the war for humanity and be like, all right, you believe in God, keep believing in God, buddy, keep that murder countdown. Um, but yeah, th- i mean, this guy, like I, b- I believe him <laughs> like it wasn't someone like, you know, how we use hyperbole or something like that. Like based on his story and his, his experiences, I believe that, you know, it is his faith in God. Um, who knows? Maybe now I wish we could track him down. Like, I wonder if he's uh he's got the anger under control or, you know, what, what's happened to the guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, like that that would be you know, it had I witnessed, like had I witnessed that that discussion. Um I would have been you know, frothing at the mouth uh to tell those atheists to shut up. <laughs> um <'cause, laughs> like like just and and purely and you said it just from a humanity perspective. You know, like, you know, the, you know, like let's let's not make it so this guy wants to kill. Get... Now, in my head, I would still be like, "Look, I, I want you to believe the things you believe for good reasons, right? Um, but but that's that that's a smaller, you know. Like as as a humanist, I I am I'll take I'll take the loss because that means less people die, and and I think that that I think that's the only reasonable thing you can do.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and as a Christian, you know, I'll, I'll kind of like begrudgingly take the win. Because it's like, well, you know, I I think maybe maybe some theology could be worked out that would help the guy in the long run, but you know, to to like you get everything worked out, know what you believe and exactly why you believe it. But um, you know, for the short term, yeah. Let's let's not have you commit any crimes. Um, but anyway, that goes back to kind of non-commandment number two. Um, I don't think it's really a Pascal's wager, like people. I mean, we got, wow, we get quite a ways from that. But whatever you say, like people are hedging in Pascals, one, I, I don't think we could automatically say that it's a, um, a a lack of faith or like you're pulling one over in God. Like maybe someone thinks that, which won't work out for them, I agree with you. But I think other people, like if they if they think, like, you know, they're so scared or something like that and they need to hedge. So they end up following, following this God and out of, you know, all the religions people like to tell us there are, they pick the God of the Bible and they actually start following him even if it starts out because of fear or something like that, I mean, I, I wouldn't pronounce judgment and say they're all doing it to try to get one over on God. They're, they're doing it, and at least they've exercised, I mean, mix and match, some yes, some no. But they've at least made their choice enough to put their faith in the Christian God. Like, you know, why, why not some other God? Um, but if they're doing that and they're living like it, they're following Jesus, they're doing, you know, uh, they're like, all hey right, God, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fearful. And that's the way I'm approaching you, uh, you know, whatever. But if they look like a Christian, act like a Christian, live like a Christian, I mean, on some ground, like they, they've exercised enough faith to at least choose this God and then adhere to what this God says to do. So I, I think um, while some may be thinking, I don't know, they can get one over on God. I think I think a lot of them would probably be better than not, because um, I, I mean, you know, who are we to judge? Right. Like only the God I believe in. Yeah. Knows the heart. I yeah, mean,
1: sure. Yeah, and and it would be very un you know unrealistic for me to say everybody that's doing that is hedging their bets. No, that no, that would be that would be the wrong thing for me to say. And that's what prompted my question, like you know how you know what percentage do you think? But no, of of course, uh, of course, that wouldn't be the case that it would be everybody. And and I think I think what you would probably agree to, or and or say is in that situation if the person started following, living by the commandments, doing all those other things, then I think you would say that it was your belief that, that God would make himself more apparent to that person over time. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're, yeah. So no, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that it's the case that it would be everybody hedging their bets. Uh, And yeah, I could, I, I think that, you know, I could, I could understand the the stance that you would take. Yeah, for sure. Uh,
0: Hey everyone else. Good morning. Good morning.
2: Hey, it was good. Um, I've got two questions for you. Um would you say that Christianity is a religion of peace? Sure. That's question one. You you say yes. Yes. Uh second question. Um why is it oh more to the point, sorry, I'll explain my line of thinking. In looking into religions, why is it seemingly christianity and islam that are the only two that seem to be consistently in conflict with people and there's the only religions that i never hear really causing any kind of conflict are ones such as sikhism jainism i'd argue that also hinduism and buddhism but even then sometimes they can become kind of contentious but definitely sikhism and jainism so by the very nature of people never arguing about those fifths, wouldn't you say that they're more peaceful than Christiane?
0: Great point. Great question. So uh, so hang on, Harold. Uh, you're, you had a lot of feedback there, a lot of wind. But I say, first of all, I kind of made a point. Uh, Michael, you haven't got to it yet, but it'll, it'll come up in the video you're watching. Um, but on one hand, it's like why th- this kind of ties into it. It's like, if why do people? push back so much against Christianity, right? So on one hand, uh, Griffith, to your point, it would be like, well, maybe Hinduism would be, uh, would be, you would say more on par with Christianity and Islam if more people push back against it. So if no one pushed back on Islam, you'd be like, oh, there's no problem with Islam because no, I mean, it takes two to tango, right? So if everyone just went along and was at peace with Islam and just kind of did what they said and didn't argue and stuff like that, well, then no one would have a problem with Islam. So maybe if more people push back about Hinduism, you'd have a lot more controversy around Hinduism. So it could be go th- both goes both ways. Secondly, it could be cultural. So there could be a lot more problems with Hinduism. Like I think um, there was store. I, I may mess up the the exact philosophies or beliefs, but I, I think it was like Hindu Hindus were having a big problem with like Tibetan monks um, for a while, and there was like clashes and stuff like that. So I think some of it could be cultural. Like we we'll, we're just not familiar with it. Um, but I, I would dare to say, um, that other people have plenty of clashes and it would also be like how ardent their followers are. And I, I mean, there's just a whole myriad of things like, you know, look at our world, like Hindu, Hindu people. Like, I don't, I don't really know a whole lot about their, their beliefs or morality or where that would conflict with like, you know, the hot topics in Western culture, like, you know, um, abortion affirmation surgery, um, all, all these things that, you know, would, would mess with the morality principles in Islam and Christianity, um, sexuality, things like that. I don't know what Hinduism stands on it is. Maybe they have one that, that would be a problem if they um, were more vocal. So maybe it's uh, maybe they're not vocal or maybe they're not as ardent in their beliefs um, or people just don't know it and no one makes it known. So there could be that. But then the overarching point, I would think, could it be, uh, let's take Christianity because <laughs> that's what I believe, that it's it's true. So not if Christianity is true and these others, let's just say, are false under the Christian paradigm, Maybe the reason people fight so much against Christianity is because deep within themselves they, they have the sense that it is true and they're they're really fighting against themselves as much, but since they espouse a lack of belief in it or another belief, that they just they use that to go counter apologetics towards Christianity and they fight against Christianity, while some of these other religions, they they have no spiritual, even though they deny the whole spiritual world, it doesn't take them to acknowledge it. But something within themselves does not give them that same same vigor to fight against, like, Jainism, because barely anyone knows what that even is, or these other philosophies, or other religions, because they're like, well, why bother? They know it's they know it's false. And, of course, this is, like, layers deeper than they will even know, because a lot of these people would be anti-theists or, or atheists or agnostics, and they will deny, like, you know, the existence of everything I'm talking about. However, maybe somewhere down, that's why... Christianity gets a lot of the flack uh, because something about that tells them this this is like more accurate uh, than all the others so those are all the things that come to my mind
2: i um, I disagree just on the mere basis of how a message spreads from my line of thinking, the most unknown um religions would typically by their very nature be the most peaceful. They haven't had to go out of their way to try and convert and change the way of thinking of other people. They're happy to just let people live in their existence and give them the option. If they are exposed to their religious beliefs and the other group are inspired, then they can make their own choice. For me, I'm personally um, personally inspired. I'm looking into very deeply Sikhism. It's very uh, inspiring to me. Um, It's a very solid uh, community. It's a very solid belief system. Um, It's very accepting. And it doesn't do anything about trying to uh, convert people. Um, Whereas Islam has definitely tried to forcibly convert people over the years, as has Christianity. So by their very nature, Christianity and Islam have been more successful um given the numbers and whatever that's reflected but they've been so successful due to being spread by the sword due to um colonialization due to um that kind of thing Um, so you're
0: saying you would pick a religion based on the proselytization not whether or not you think it's true
2: i don't know what that means what does part does that
0: spreading the message being vocal trying to get converts like you would pick it because like Sikhism like doesn't really seek to go make more Sikhs. Um no, regardless we were, of whether or not it's true.
2: Oh, we were, we were specifically talking about the idea of uh, the most peaceful religion. And I was talking about oh, okay. a truly peaceful religion would allow the people who come who join the religion to do of their own volition, um, without any kind of force imposed. Okay. There is there's a history of force within Christianity and Islam. There isn't a history of force within Sikhism.
0: So you would, okay, so you would pick a peaceful religion over, I I, I don't mean to sound condescending as it's going to, but I mean, it's just w- what you're saying. I'm sure you'll modify it, but I mean, it sounds like you're saying you would you would choose a peaceful religion over an accurate one. I, I know that's not what you would say, but that's how it sounds. But uh, well, real quick, before I forget the point, um, mm-hmm. people in, uh, someone in chats messaged me and I posted the, the article, so if you go to chat, you can see them, but, um, they posted several articles. And I mean, this is from like UNICEF and ABC news. So, I mean, these are like, you know, generally statistics we could all, you know, trust and accept, but it talks about, um, Hindus like burning like 10 or 20 million women and girls and all this other like Saiti, sahiti, or whatever women. And, um, it talks about like, you know, Buddhism, like all, all these like atrocities of what we would generally consider peaceful stuff. Which, which goes back mm-hmm. to what I said, maybe it's cultural and we just aren't aware because, you know, there's not as many here as there are in other parts of the world. So, I mean, yeah. it seems like um, these these things that you, you invoked, which, you know, maybe from lack of understanding about them, and I don't have a lot of knowledge either. But, I mean, these articles from UNICEF and ABC News, um, yeah, seem to suggest that uh, Hinduism and Buddhism have a lot of adherents that apparently have burned many Sadie women. So, Were that's not good. It?
2: We're using your own logic against you. Um, These I've not read these um, articles, by the way. Oh, just bookmark them. Yeah, no, I have to tread carefully. But they seem more about like intertribe conflicts, and the same way that you said um, cultural. This could be explained through cultural differences and political conflicts, etc. It, it's not necessarily re- religiously um, ascribed or promoted. Whereas, when we're talking about converting people from one religion to another, that is directly uh, connected to the religious um, promotions. So, Christianity. And the leaders of Christianity, once upon a time, supported that people went forward and converted. India is one one example. Go go and try and convert Africa, um, different countries. You know what I'm saying? Um, Sikhism. You can't point to a single one. Nor can you do with Buddhism, um, where they've gone. They might have had conflicts with other groups, but they haven't gone out there to convert other groups. So if by their very nature, their religion seems more peaceful.
0: Well, if, yeah, but I, I mean, you can't, that's a false equivocation. Like, I, so I don't know about, again, we're talking completely from ignorance, both of us. Like, I don't know in Hinduism or Sikhism or whatever, if they're just peaceful because they're just like, eh, I'd rather bake brownies. Or if they're peaceful because the religion specifically says, do not proselytize, make converts, do not convert anyone. Like, I just don't know. But in Christian, and Christian, you know, Islam, I mean, I know it's a proselytizing religion. I, I'm not sure the finer workings of it, but for Christianity, like there is a call to proselytize, which is the great commission. Right. And it goes something like Jesus says, you know, go into all the world and, you know, make disciples of people. And whenever they're going out, he says, Hey, um, go tell everyone about how to have eternal life, which is repent, stop doing what you know is wrong. And Ask Jesus, pray to God to be born again and have eternal life and you'll receive it. And he says, if people hear that message and they want to hear more, stay with them and tell them more, you know, make disciples out of them, tell them it's a willing thing. And he says, however, if they don't want to hear your message, then shake the dust from your shoes and continue on your journey, continue on down the road to someone else. So that, that's what it has, right? So it's not like, uh, you know, convert by the sword, which Christians have done, um, which is bad. They're not following their own religion. Perhaps like that, that's like, you know, one of the, one of the other groups you're talking about who their religion expressly has something in it and they're violating their own religion. So for Christianity, if someone does something by force or coercion or violence, that's expressly, um, addressed. And it says, don't do that. If people willingly want to hear what you have to say, stay and tell them if they don't leave them to their fate and go on about your way. Um, so, I mean, just by saying it's bad or it's violent by co- trying to convert someone like, like. If I walk into your village, you know, you're, you're like a half naked tribesman with, you know, hanging out and I walk into your village and I'm like, hey, do you have a religion? Maybe you say yes. Maybe you say no. Anyways, I like, well, hey, I think I have, you know, the true way to eternal life. And I think, you know, this this guy, Jesus, can save you. Would you like to hear about how you can have eternal life and live forever with your creator? And then you would say, hopefully, uh, you know, if you say yes, I make like, sweet. Here's what I think. Have a good day. Pray to God. Or if you're like, no, I don't like that. I'm like, very well, I'll carry on to the next village. That doesn't seem hardly like forced conversion or any violence or any bad thing. Um, so, I mean, that that is the way Christianity presents conversion. It, it's very yeah. willing. Like, it does no good if someone, like, does it by the sword. Because, what was it? Was it Ben Franklin? or No, it wasn't Franklin. Someone said, um, you know, someone convinced against their will was of the same opinion still. And I believe that, and it sounds like the people in the Bible and Jesus believe that, which is why you know there's no benefit to forcing someone to convert.
2: So the slaves who came over from Africa, they were given the choice of whether mm-hmm. they wanted to convert to Christianity or to withhold their initial um, religious beliefs.
0: Oh no, there's lots of crappy people who say they're Christians who have like who have yeah there's lots of crappy Christians who say they're Christians and you know have like burned witches and uh, you know like forced conversions and killed other Christians who they didn't think were the right kind of Christians but you that
2: they're crappy Christians but they also pointed to the same doctrine that you subscribe to to justify their belief systems i I, I recognize that they've taken verses out of context and used it to um, explain away certain behaviors as such. But if the verses weren't there to be misinterpreted in the first place, then, you know, or well, more to the well, point. if Yeah, go on.
0: Well, I mean, if we're being like reasonable people, like mm-hmm. Michael, my, my go-to reasonable non-Christian, I mean, what we just say? And we can pull up the verses so you can read exactly in context, but that's that's the nutshell. That's what it says. It's willing. So if people want to hear you, stay and talk. If they don't, shake the dust from your feet and leave them. <laughs> so if people, then you say, well, the verses shouldn't be able to be misinterpreted. That's really hard for a reasonable person to misinterpret. It's like, Oh, um, tell them. And if they don't want it, I leave them. That means kill them. Like that, that is not the fault of the Bible or any text. If people honestly misinterpret that, that is a problem with people. There is no way a reasonable person. And that's not to mention, like, you know, people have done this under the guise of Christianity, people who were deists, not really Christians. Yet mm-hmm. they put on the guise of Christianity because that was their culture. They, they use that for political power, for motivation. There's all kinds of, like, things that – and only God knows the heart, right? So all we know is there were people who claimed to be Christian. Maybe some of them were and were, you know, really bad at it. Maybe some of them weren't Christian at all and used Christianity to seek their own means, like power, land, whatever. But, yeah.
2: Yeah. No, my I, Going back to the whole point about, like, the, uh, is Christianity a peaceful religion and such? And, like, what is the most peaceful religion? That kind of Arabic. Um, like I said, I, given the fact that I'm looking into Sikhism or whatever, one of the basic things I've taken away so far is... Um, it's less to do with what religion you believe in and more about how you conduct yourself whilst on this earth and how you treat other people. Um, as long as you express compassion and empathy and um, submit to God's will and um, just try to be good. That's cool. It doesn't really matter what you believe. Um, but that's like the Sikh perspective and, and like the Sikh perspective does genuinely try to just recognize people all are different and um, and everyone, every religion has bits of the truth. Like no one's wrong. Everyone just has bits of the truth. And as long as they live in conjunction with those truths, they'll be good people. Um, it's just I question um, Christian, certain Christians and certain Muslims' uh, commitment to their faith, to the teachings of their doctrine, because they're out here arguing with not only other groups but even within in within themselves. There's different sects. There's different belief systems, even within their own uh, religion, and it just creates so much division because we're all trying to argue from a position of truth. It's like I have the truth, you have the truth, and my truth conflicts with your truth, and therefore someone has to be right and someone has to be wrong, and we have to war about this. It's it's very, you know what I'm
0: saying? Well, right, and it seems like, and oh, okay, so right here, here's like a. I mean, here's what I believe is accurate Christian response. Like, you know, I, I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I didn't like run at you with a sword when you were basically saying everything opposite of what Christianity believes and teaches, because, you know, you're focusing on the most peaceful bit. Great. You're a very peaceful, spiritually dead person. And I believe, believing in my religion, there is a hell and there is a heaven. And if you're not, you know, aligned with the true creator, which I believe is Jesus, then the only place to go is this hell place. And I don't want that for you. So you're teaching, you're talking about like, you know, just follow God, which you never describe what God or if that's the energy or the universe or something like that. But it just seems like peace is your end. And my end is God. My end is, is to be accurate over peace. However, we can have our cake and eat it too. Like the Bible says, I mean, there's a specific verse that talks about as much as it depends on you live at peace with all people. It's right there. Um, So I, I would say that. So my peaceful Christian response is, Hey, um, You just said basically the opposite of everything I believe. So I think you're completely wrong. And, you know, I think unless, like Jesus says, unless you repent and turn to Jesus, you will die in your sin. So I think it, life should be um, good, peaceful. You should get along with people as much as you can. But there's more to this life. So when this life is over, in 100 years, you're dead anyway. You and everyone you know and love is all going to be dead. What then? If you think nothing then, well, I believe something's still going to happen. But... It, I, I believe something still happens anyway. Yeah. So but, that I mean that but, would be my what well, well, right? So that would be my peaceful Christian response, right? So if someone tried to say, you know that that's so violent or that's so evil of you, Nate, or you just coerced me, I did no such thing, and that's a gross misinterpretation. So I mean that that's the answer, right? So that's what Christians should do to proselytize. And if you don't want to, if you don't want it, be like, no thanks. And I'll be like, okay, make your choice. It's between you and the God I believe in. So there, exactly. there's no way to articulate what I just did as not a peaceful way to live.
2: There is, um, potentially, because, as I say, um, there is the physical um, violent way of trying to convert people. And then there also is this kind of emotional, psychological, fearful tactic, as you just used, I believe, of um, if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're going to go to hell. That, to me, says that if somebody um converts to christianity but does not live in conjunction with their teachings of christianity that you're saying they have a better chance of being accepted into the lord's heavens or whatever you call them um as opposed to somebody who perhaps is a a muslim or a Sikh or a hindu or whatever who has lived their entire life in uh pursuit of service to man um charity and and other such good deeds um that is a form of psychological coercion in my mind Um, okay i will
0: concede i'll concede right there i'll say if that's if that's where you want to take this then absolutely and i i wouldn't even counter that i would just say i'll add the point that do you want what someone believes to be true or do you want someone to be quote peaceful but tell you lies tell you something they don't believe is true so i will concede that Christianity is not the most peaceful religion. If you're saying by, by us sincerely believing there is a heaven and there is a hell. And if you do not become spiritually alive through Jesus Christ, you will burn in hell forever. And you call that psychological torment or whatever, even though you don't believe it. So it shouldn't be. But if you're saying that's, that's the way Christians approach it, then sure. Christianity is not the most peaceful. However, if you want people to not just give you things that make you feel good at the expense of what they believe is true, then yes, I believe this is true. I want someone to tell me what's true, like Muslims. I don't want them to tell me, like to beat around the bush and be like, well, you know, maybe you're, you're okay if you're a Christian, like if they really believe there's an Islam hell, and they do. So I want them to tell me what they honestly believe and say, yes, if you're a Christian, you'll, you know, you'll end up burning in Islam hell. I don't believe that, and I've made my choice, but I don't want them to lie or make me feel better to be peaceful. I want them to tell me what they believe is true. So
2: um yes yes, the Sikhism works off of the idea of karma, so it's it's predominantly about how you conduct yourself on this plane of earth whilst you're living, or we'll conduct what hap- happens here after the fact If you did bad deeds, obviously you'd be reincarnated as something bad, or if you do something really bad, you spend the time in hell. Um, and if you do good deeds throughout your entire life, you'll transcend to like with the oneness, like within God. Um, but of course, this is all semantics, and you don't have to believe what I'm on the journey of trying to figure out. It's simply about uh, I'm just talking mm-hmm. about peacefulness. Peacefulness is conducted by not only thoughts but also action, and um, it shouldn't you shouldn't act in a way uh, for simple fear of a negative outcome. You should act in a way because it makes you feel good. Also. Um, and i just i don't know from my
3: i don't know well, i don't I, want to
2: argue with you i just i just want to ask you that initial question but i feel like we're going off into a argumentative tangent con- um, tangent sorry so well, I, I'll, I'll leave it here bro well
0: yeah and i mean i wouldn't say I, I wouldn't think it's an it could get to an argument just because we're we're starting to go circular and say the same things like i mm-hmm. I, I mean and this is a peaceful discussion because I, I think we've it's ran its course you know the the only the only last point i'd say Is And then I think Harold's trying to talk, we'll see what he has to say, but the the only last thing I would say to leave you with this discussion is so many religions and philosophies of the world are moralizing in nature, and Christianity is too, but Christianity doesn't stop there. So lots of other religions stop at morality and karma and being a good person and, and all these things and reincarnation So do good so you'll come back better until you get it right and then Nirvana, like all these other religions stop at morality and... Christianity like supersedes that. So it's like, yes, you should you should have morality, you should be a good moral purpose. However, Christianity ultimately isn't about making people better, it's about making them alive. So that's one thing Christianity has, I think, because there is a component of morality to it, but morality in in a hundred years when we're all dead, it gets you nothing. This natural world will fade and die. So it's what then? And some religions will, will take that step and say, OK, there is an afterlife. But a lot, especially the philosophies, it's about making bad people good. Christianity is about making spiritually dead people alive. Um, and so, that I mean, that's I would just say that to to maybe shift your perspective a little bit, that there's a whole layer beyond just peace and just moral. Uh, there, there's a whole layer above that. But Harold, did uh, did you want to say anything or were you? Harold in three, two, and anyways, Griffith. Yeah, that's what I'd say. So yeah, I don't think it's an argument. I think, um, it's ran its course though. Like, I mean, we obviously just fundamentally disagree. So, I mean that uh, this should be the worst case scenario. We, we both have our views. We both disagree with the other person yet. We still can be civil.
2: Absolutely. Have a good day.
0: Of course you too. Come on back whenever you like, uh, Felix, are you speaking today? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. All right, Michael, back to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious. Oh man, he left. Um, if uh, if he's looked into Jainism at all, um,
0: well, he mentioned Jainism. I'm, I'm not sure if he's familiar, but I mean, he did. That was one of the things he pointed out. Yeah, I, I think it's it a peaceful religion. I'm like, because no one knows what that is.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, because I mean. From, from my understanding, and I'm not an expert in this in any way, J- Jainism seems to be more like a lifestyle than a religion. Um, you know, they have some tenets, you know, which – and I think the most fundamental one when you break it down to the lowest common denominator is do everything you can to not cause intentional harm. But that's that's more like their <laughs> their super base ones, right? Uh, you could be a Jain. You know, they're, they're vegans. Uh, <laughs> you could sign up for that, but uh, no, it, it it was interesting, and I and I really like just sitting back and listening to that conversation. It was it was enjoyable for me because, like like you and I have talked about so many times, and, and on your podcast, we a week before last, you know, like best possible outcome, have a discussion, disagree, be decent to each other, and say goodbye. Like that was great.
0: Hey, Noel. What's up? Hi, Nate. Uh, thanks for having me.
4: Um, a question that uh, I think we hear get asked quite a bit uh, is um, what what happens to people who were never exposed to Jesus or, you know, grew up in India and, you know, never even read the Bible or anything like that? And the, uh, the common answer I've heard is that God knows what people would have done had they been exposed to that information and judges them based on that. Uh, do you do you agree
0: with, with that answer? Uh, to a point. I, I mean, there's some things in Christian theology, um, like like the big claims that, that people would have to contend with is no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. He's the only way. Um, and that's where the discussion starts. So some people, there's evidence in the Bible, like different scriptures I, I talked about, I think, the other day. Um, we posted them somewhere. And it, it was basically alluding to you're accountable to like without the law, without the law of Moses, without knowing what the law of God is, these commandments, then you're not judged by the law, but you're still judged by, by your own, uh, you know, knowledge of right and wrong and that type of stuff. So there's evidence that you're held accountable to what you to know and the knowledge, you know, um, which is one way, but then people say, well, how will they know about Jesus unless people go and tell them? And that's a call to proselytize. Like we're just talking about with the other guy. So it is a proselytizing religion. And is that just to say now people are more accountable or you've just like, yes, they are more accountable because they know more. But you've also been like, well, here now you're accountable, but here's the free key. Like you don't have to spend your whole life searching. Here's the answer. Now go. Um, So so ultimately. God is the judge and whatever the right answer is for these people, that's going to be what's done. I, I know that seems kind of like a hand waving, but that's the evidence we have in the Bible. So like when Jesus says he's the only way. I believe that, but does that mean someone who dies never knowing anything about Jesus? Um, d- does Jesus then meet them in the, in the afterlife? And he's like, Hey, um, that guy you thought you knew, or that guy you were looking for, or, you know, how you thought right and wrong. You didn't know where it came from all the way. You didn't know my name. Well, Hey, my name's Jesus or, you know, whatever Jesus is in their language that they can understand. I'm the creator. The only way you can go to this afterlife is through me. Like who who knows how that's reconciled, but those are the things in the Bible and people will fall in, on both ways, but it's, the claims of Jesus that he is the only way. So however that happens, um, yeah, if it's not through Jesus, it's not done. So sorry, that's an unsatisfying answer for the people that never hear about Jesus. Does that mean like there's a time stop right before they die? Because, you know, the Romans one makes the claim that everyone knows there's a God. Um, but then what are they going to do with it? And I believe if people exercise their faith, more will be shown until, you know, if they're like, look around, get to deism, they're like, oh, a God, like, why am I worshiping a rock? There's something that created this rock. And then they exercise more faith. They'll be given more light until eventually like a missionary wanders in. They're like, oh, yeah, that, that God you're talking about, just like Paul with the with the Romans, the unknown God, he's like, oh, yeah, that guy, that's Jesus. So however it's going to work out or Jesus visits them in a dream and then they go in a pilgrimage and find a church, I or airplane tracks drop out in their language and they can read the Bible in their language. I, I don't know. All I know is, is however it works, it's only going to be by Jesus. Um, but that also doesn't say you must speak his name in perfect Hebrew. Um,
4: yeah. Well, well, okay. So, I mean, really, my question boils down to is God able to tap into possible worlds, not that that are not this one, and pull information out of that in order to make decisions in this world. And so, you know, like if somebody never read about Jesus, he can reach into that potential possible world and judge them based on what they would have done there. Is that something that you you believe is possible that God can do or does?
0: Without really going into that, I mean, you know, I'm more of the position of never say never. So, I mean, you know, God can do pretty much anything God wants to do.
4: Okay, so if that is the case, then couldn't one argue that literally uh nothing is necessary like jesus didn't have to die in fact he didn't even have to exist because god knows in a world where jesus did exist and we were exposed to him he knows what we would have done and he can judge us based on that and therefore like jesus's you know death and resurrection was not necessary
0: well there's i mean so that would be more problematic and and by the way the other thing first of all when i'm just kind of hand wave gave it to you and just like yeah sure um that, that means without even analyzing all, what exactly that means, like God reaching into possible worlds and determining the outcome, like without even going all, all the way, we can analyze that. That means for everything you just said to have to be to, to follow, that premise has to be true. And we have no way of knowing that. But as part, there are some theological problematic things you did say about couldn't have Jesus just never existed, never had to die, or anything like that. Well, uh, if Jesus didn't exist from the Christian paradigm, we wouldn't exist, this world wouldn't exist, nothing would exist, because we believe Jesus is God. So you're basically saying, well, if God didn't exist, well, if God well, didn't exist, nothing would exist.
4: Sorry, well, I mean, like, Jesus, you know, being born a human and suffering right. is what I'm, I'm getting at.
0: Okay, well, well, I mean, the Bible also talks about without, you know, shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So even if God knows what we would have done and what we would have been judged on, the whole point is if we, if we live um, a great life and do one little thing wrong, then we were basically guilty of doing everything wrong. So the whole point is Jesus had to die, had to die on the cross, had to be resurrected, because it doesn't matter what we're judged on. If we mess up in one area, we're guilty of messing up in every area. So there's no way around Jesus dying and being that perfect person uh, to make up for our oopsies. So so Jesus would have always had to die. There's there's no way around that.
4: Oh, okay. So God did not have the ability to just forgive us? without
0: Jesus death whenever we start saying things like ability um, the bible gives us nothing about this other than the so is it god doesn't have the ability because god already already decreed something and he's not a liar so he can't like undo it is that why god does not have the ability or are we saying god legitimately is powerless to have the ability so it's like cannot because will not and, and we we have no idea so i mean all we know is what the bible tells us which is Before the foundation of the world, like before there was matter, before there was material, it talks about Jesus was always going to be a sacrifice. So it's not like God's like, oh, oops, I told these people not to eat of a fruit in the garden. And uh, they did. And, well, oops, I got to come up with a plan B. Like God always knew this was going to happen. And he always, even, you know, if you believe the Bible, you don't, but I do, um, always, before the Bible was written, before people were here, Jesus was always going to be sacrificed. So at this point, it's like, well, God said this was going to happen. So now it's like, well, if he hadn't have said that, like back from, I don't know, whenever it was first, whenever he first said that, then could he have just been like, I'm going to make perfect people and make them not sin? Um, I don't know, maybe. But I mean, it's like whenever he decided that, which we'll never know, it was a really long time ago before matter existed, that Jesus was going to be the sacrifice. um, Now you could say, well, he, he may not go back and do that because he'd be a liar because he already said something and God does not lie.
4: Okay. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody a while back and, and, uh, a common question is, you know, what, what would it take for you an atheist to believe that, that God is real? And, um, the answer was, well, I want to be Thomas. I want to be able to stick my hands in Jesus's, you know, crucifixion holes and feel it for myself. If Thomas was able to given that, to be given that evidence and believe based on that, I want that same kind of evidence. And, uh, the response was, well, you know, obviously you can't go back 2000 years. We don't have a time machine. And I thought, but if God can tap into possible worlds, then he knows what we atheists would have done had we gotten to stick our our fingers through Jesus's holes. And so that made me feel a lot safer from a Christian uh, worldview as far as my atheism goes, because I'm sure that if I were given perfect evidence like Thomas did, then I would believe whatever I needed to believe to go to heaven. And so if God can tap into that, then
0: I should be fine. Do you agree? Uh, I I do agree the way you said that, but I oh Harold I keep cutting you off. Um, you'll talk right for me. I, I agree with your assessment, but but that's also from the Christian perspective. That's problematic because God's not on a mission to straight up prove His existence. Like the closest people ever got was when what you say happened, like Thomas, and Jesus was right in front of people who did not believe He was God, doing miracles in front of their face. And they had exactly the evidence you're talking about what would cause you to believe, but it didn't cause them to believe, and they couldn't deny it because they saw it, so they just piped it off on a demon and said it's the devil that's making him do this, not because he's really God. Um, So just because we think we know what it'll take to believe doesn't mean when it actually happens that really is what it will take to believe, because we have historical evidence, writings, of the exact thing happening and people not believing. But the Bible talks about without faith it's impossible to to, uh, please God. So even these people had this evidence, and they could have exercised faith and be like, oh, I have faith that these miracles, empirically testable, repeatable, happen in front of my face. This makes this guy God. They could have exercised faith, but instead they still lacked a little bit of faith. And instead they said, well, I guess uh, this is the devil doing that. So even Thomas, he had faith. He was his disciple for years. Then he said, I won't believe. So he already exercised faith. And then, we you know, whenever he showed up, like, they thought he was a ghost for a little while, they thought he was a spirit, and then he shows up, and he touched the holes and touched the scars, and he still had, I mean, it's not like he, he's had straight-up empirical evidence and threw God under a microscope. Like, he still exercised faith that, yes, this is not a spirit, this is the guy I've been following around and initially put my faith in. So, God's not on a mission to empirically prove to everyone. Otherwise, I, I think he could do that. Except the part in the Bible that says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the onus is, I mean, I believe God does a lot. Like, you know, if you start at Romans 1, you, you look around, that should get you to at least uh, there's a creator of stuff. And if you exercise faith and continue down like, well, what is this creator? How can I find this creator? I believe if you keep making these favorables... Pr- steps toward progress you're eventually going to arrive at the jesus of the bible like we talked about a, a little bit ago however that happens a missionary shows up you wander into a church whatever um if you start doubting, or if you don't have this faith to continue and you just start worshiping the rock this be like well maybe someone created this rock but i'm just going to worship this rock instead um that would be like a lack of faith so that's what i'd say well i
4: still think there's kind of a an endless get-out-of-jail-free card here, because had I been raised differently or had different experiences, then my path to Christ might have, you know, been clearer, and God can judge me on that, rather than my
0: current life. Well, maybe, but there's also no guarantee. Like, I think a lot of atheists today grew up in Christian households. (laughs) Like, it's, it's only when you talk to, like, you know, people in the Netherlands, like Dutch people, who are like, yeah, I just don't know anything about church. Yeah, we have a couple. I don't really, I've never wondered. Like, I mean, those people, Oh, Harold, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting you. But I mean, those people, like, I believe, like, the, I mean, they're like a tabula rasa, like as much as possible. Like they're blank slate all the way. But especially in the Western world, I think a lot of atheists are like, they can't have an excuse because they're like, yeah, I was raised in a Christian household, yet here they are still atheists. So if someone was raised in a house that worships Satan, um, that that's still no excuse because, you know, they're, they, I mean, they're in charge of their own life, so they can still take it upon themselves to walk into a church, you know, Google something about Jesus. And there's no guarantee that if you're raised in a Muslim home or atheist home or Christian home, you're going to have an advantage or a step up. It's all about the individual person and how they're going to act. Uh, Harold, yeah, go ahead, Harold, speak. Uh,
5: I got I got my own question. If y'all finished up with that oh. I
0: my question, I uh, will no, Yeah, that, that's what I'd uh, say to that. Okay,
4: well, yeah, I guess I'll, I think I'll just finish up with, if, he, if God can tap into potential worlds, then there are, you know, 500 billion worlds where I turned out to be a Christian and 500 billion where I turned out to be a Satanist. And so it seems like it's oh. up to him to decide which one he's going to judge me on because he has access I, to all I, of them.
0: Okay, I see what you're talking about. So, like, if a multiverse is true, like, instead of taking the atheist you, he finds the Christian, Jesus-fearing uh, pastor you and takes that one. That's what you're saying, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, I mean, that that would have to exist. So, I mean, we don't know that exists. <laughs> so, I mean, it, I, I get what you're saying and that makes sense, but there's no way to have a, a real discussion about that because it's all hypothetical and that premise would have to be true. Um, but, but, yeah, there's just nowhere to go with that. Like, that, I mean, that's an interesting point, right? Like all the multiverses and like Flash runs through like, yeah, just grab the Christian or grab the Christian, Michael. Um, grab the Trinitarian Herald. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting, but yeah, okay. that yeah. would have to exist. <laughs> All right. uh, okay, Harold, go ahead. Oh, of course. That was thought-provoking. Go ahead, Harold.
5: Yeah, good morning. Um, I got a big issue, man, specifically with Matt Slick.
0: Well, I'll, I'll try to be a Matt Slick apologist.
5: <laughs> Yesterday, he came in a room... And, uh, and essentially it was, it was kind of a, the, 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 basically in, in short, the minds of the room wanted Matt Slick's opinion on the, the so-called Unitarian position. And, you know, he said, you know, all oh, the Unitarians, uh, you know, their God is not in the scripture and, you know, they don't repent of their, of their doctrine or whatever. And, you know, believe in the Trinity they're going to die in their sins, burn in hell. You know, oh, that's fine. I'm cool with that. I'm not, that's that's not the issue at all. You know, but my thing is this. He he started going into this idea of the necessity of God being a tried person. And he was saying, well, you know, uh, God is love and something about, you know, they are all, you know, God, this God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. They're all intertwined into one another interpenetrating um you know and because god is love it necessitates triunity. because love has to be given love ha- love has to be received and love has to be observed or witnessed and i'm like so finally i stop him i'm like yo and he oh he called it eternal fellowship that's what he called it yeah i said where is eternal fellowship in the bible simple question he said well eternal fellowship is not in the bible if you're looking for the specific term and then i rephrased the question i said is there any way that you can demonstrate the concept of eternal fellowship throughout the scripture and in essence he said well that's too hard of a question i'm like yo if it's that hard of a question, why are you going around here teaching something that you can't even demonstrate? So, my question is to you, Nate can you demonstrate this concept of eternal fellowship in the scripture?
0: Well, I mean, read the entire Bible. But no, it's just like Unitarians, not in the Bible either. You know, spoiler. So, we come up with these theological terms, and I've heard him say, <clears throat> I've heard him, pardon me. <clears throat> I've heard him talk about that before, and it makes sense. But it's like it, it's like a line of logic and reasoning, and so that's why you know I think God forgives crappy doctrine to a point. So whenever he it, it make it, I mean it makes sense to me. I'm a Trinitarian, but I mean you know there's stuff I've heard Trinitarians explain that I'm like ah, I'm still a Trinitarian, but I don't see it that way. But when Matt explains that, like I, I, I get it, but it's it's based on one logical conclu- like logical premises, and then a conclusion that follows. So it's logical, but it's using it's u- using thought, it's using your brain, it's critically thinking through the scriptures. So it's like, well, if we see glimpses of the Trinity in in Genesis and John and Revelation, if we see if we see this like triune nature of God, and that gets us to the Trinity, well then it's like, okay, th- that's like your doctrine, that's the doctrine of the Trinity. But then as we start going deeper, I mean, the Bible only says so much about so much stuff, right? It doesn't explain Unitarianism, but Unitarians have their own doctrine fleshed out. It's like, well, where is that in the Bible? It's not. It's people will make their own logical conclusions based on the doctrine. So if you just believe, you know, Jesus is whatever you believe Jesus is, you won't, you'll be able to use some scriptures to say, well, he can forgive you or he can do this or he died on a cross. But then if we start going deeper into Unitarianism or oneness or something like that, at a point you're going to have to use your human brain and start making logical conclusions and logical steps to be like, okay, well, I think this, this is why think through this, that this must be true in order for this to be true and that's what Matt's doing. So he's talking about love since the Bible, the scripture that we want, makes the claim God is love and we also believe we see the trinity throughout the bible the triune nature of god. So when he says well okay if god is love what does that mean? Now let's start logically critically thinking. To love there has to be someone to reciprocate the love to or to give love to and reciprocate that love back. Therefore, you know this eternal fellowship with the father, the son, the holy spirit, they they are love. And they can also have love and reciprocity. So none of that is going to be in the Bible. There's not a Bible verse that says that. But it's based on these conclusions that we get from the Bible, like the triune nature of God and God is love. Well, if God was only it was only one solitary being, like singular solo, just like the Father, for example, then that would throw into question how can God be love? How can He be this thing if there's no one to bounce it off of? Because love, some people like say love is a verb or love is an action. Uh, a doing for another person well if there's not another person then you can't really be love so that that's kind of like logically falling through it not unlike you know a oneness doctrine or a unitarian doctrine or something like that at a certain point you're going to use your scriptures to get your your hard and fast doctrine and back it up with the bible you know however you however you will whatever verses you will but then as you start drilling down that doctrine there's going to be some critical thinking that you have to do just with your own brain power like well if this verse is true. Then if this is what I believe this verse is saying, then that must mean this is true, even though the this is not scriptural, it's not backed up in the Bible. It's just a logical conclusion that follows based on this thing back here you believe is true. So I I don't have a problem with Matt doing that, but that's why I have a problem with like deep philosophy, because – yeah, what good is that? Like, I think for Christians or people who are like very seasoned in what they believe or non-Christians, very seasoned in what they believe. Well, yes, you don't just want to stop there. You want to keep learning and knowledge and stuff like that. So you want to keep working out your arguments, working out your philosophies. And that takes you very, very deep. So then when you talk to someone, that's just like, I just want to know about God. Um, you know, for a Christian, we'll be like, oh, well, let's flip this over. Here's the Bible. Just read this, like the cross of Christ, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. It's very simple. So, so going the farther away we get from Jesus and the cross and the necessity, the more and more we get in the weeds and different doctrines come up, and then you have to start taking different logical things like all the theology. Like how many complex terms have we heard in these rooms? Some I agree with, some I disagree with, but they're very complex and very theological terminology – very much theological terminology – and it's fine for people in that world who keep fleshing out like, oh, well, what is this of God? What is the nature of God? You know, what does God, what's God's favorite color? And they like pontificate on all these like trails of logic on how to get there. But for the person that just wants to be scripturally based um, and and not go that deep, which Paul talks about going in the meat in the meat of the word. Um, but sometimes they crawl, try crawling inside the whole cow. Um, that, that I mean, that's what I'd say. Didn't mean to be too wordy, but I guess I was.
5: So I don't know maybe you misunderstood the question or maybe I didn't ask it clear enough. The question is
0: where is it not, in the Bible,
5: right? Right, where how can eternal fellowship be demonstrated throughout the scripture? Just like not the word, not the phrase, the concept. Like if if someone asked me for example um how do you know that Jesus Christ is of the tribe of Judah and he is truly the the, the Davidic king? I can, I can take somebody through, for example, Isaiah chapter 7 through chapter 9 and demonstrate how he how his birth is relevant to Isaiah chapter 7 through 9. I can take someone through the genealogy and say, here's how Jesus' bi- biology is connected to David. So I'm saying, can, are, would you be able to demonstrate the concept of eternal fellowship through the scripture, you know, either, you know, from the law and the prophets on down?
0: Um, I mean, I don't want to talk 20 minutes to get you wrong again, but I just like pull up a couple of Bible verses that talk about the father and the son and, you know, having this love fellowship, you could say eternal, um, so in the beginning, you know, we have Jesus it claims exists and all things are created to him and when Jesus shows up here like in John and Matthew and um, well let me just read some of these. So I'm going to go to the ones where it talks about the father loving Jesus and Jesus loving the father. So follow me down this logical conclusion I'll make. So John 14:31, but I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father. Uh John 15:9. As the father has loved me, so I love you abide in my love. Uh, if you keep my commandments, uh, you'll abide in my love just as I have kept the Father's and abide in his love. Abide, currently, being current, right? Like existing in love, not just like one and done, but currently continuing to abide in love. Uh, Just a couple more. John 17, Father, I desire that they also, uh, whom you've given me, may be with me where I'm going to see my glory that you've given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. So that goes with John 1, 1, like Jesus in the beginning was the word, the words with God and was God. So, See the glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world, uh, before people, before the planet. Uh, John 10, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And Matthew 3, 7, and this is said in a couple of places, uh, a voice answered from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So I'd say that is like a 10 second way of demonstrating the eternal fellowship. Uh, Not only does Jesus, you know, and the logical leap here, which, well, logical step here is looking at the other verses in the bible that revelation what 21 or 13 talk about the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world that's jesus john 17 talking about the father who loved me before the foundation of the world and then john 1 talking about the eternal existence and being of jesus and then the father so i mean that that's at least two of the three i mean i haven't looked for the holy spirit because a lot less is said about the holy spirit um jesus says you know he'll send the comfort and things like that but at least that's Two out of three right there, just the eternal relationship between the father and the son. There you go. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't misunderstand you this time. It may not be what you wanted, but I don't think I misunderstood you.
5: Yeah, I think you understood it that time. So what is what does it mean before the foundation of the world?
0: I believe that means before the world was before the world began. I mean <clears throat> I mean, I mean, literally, if we talk about before the foundation of the world, before, I don't know, the, the building blocks of the planet, the iron core, the molten iron core of this planet, if you want to be, like, literal. Um, <clears throat> but I don't have a problem with that, you know, being before matter, before people, before other planets, before the cosmos, like, just infinitely regress. But that that's me, you know, just flowing backwards. Um, but if you want oh. to be literal before the foundation of the world, before this planet existed.
5: Okay, so when was the lamb? When did Jesus get killed or when did he when did he become the lamb slain?
0: Well, whenever he was crucified on the cross. But that's that's the thing, because the Bible talks about before the foundation of the world, it talks about the lamb that was slain. So does that mean he was just always going to be that sacrifice or in some like time bending way, Jesus was sacrificed. And then when he actually died on the cross, that's when it played out. That's another thing you're never going to find in the Bible. It only talks about the land that was slain before the foundation of the world. But what that means, like how God sees that, like was Jesus crucified before the world began? And then whenever Jesus was actually crucified, that's when it played out. That's when it was actuated. No one's going to know the answer to that. But I'm sure there's theologies built around knowing the answer to that.
6: Well, I think the uh, closest thing to it is that um, to God, like the past, the present, and the future is all the same. It's one thing. So God perceives time differently
5: than we do. Yeah, so so the the lamb slain before the foundation of the world is, is, is quite simple. Jesus was killed prior to the new order. That's what that's referring to his resurrection once he was resurrected that's when the kingdom of god was enacted according to the current christ
0: that's reading into okay. it though because it says the foundation of the world just like john 17 talks about the father loved jesus before the foundation of the world the same phrase so if we're saying the foundation of the world really means well the new order well then god only loved jesus at the time of the new order and that's taking the totality of scripture because they say the same phrase so I believe the straightforward reading before the foundation of the world means before the world was formed. Um, But, I mean, if we disagree, we just disagree. But, I mean, I I feel like that's really reading into it to say before the foundation of the world really means a new order. I I feel like that's a leap I would not make.
5: Okay. Can you read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3? Or, no, actually, uh, (laughs) Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, no bad.
0: Uh, let's let CEO we'll talk for a minute because I'm trying to order school shirts for my kid. Let's see, <laughs> what was that? Hebrews chapter. <clears throat> what was it?
5: Chapter one, verse two.
0: Okay, I'll just start at one. Long ago, in many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Okay? All right. So Sounds what fine. world
5: do you think he's talking about there? This world. All right. Can you read verses 10
0: through 12? Let's see. <clears throat> and... You Lord laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of Your hands. They will perish, but You remain. Uh, they will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up, roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but You are the same, and Your years have no end.
5: So, the the foundations of this world is going to be rolled up. It's going to wax old, and it's going to be changed. Right according to that scripture. Sure. All right. Read chapter two, verse five. Oh we boy! Find out what world? He was going um, to. No, I
6: get, I, I get his point. So Harold. No, let Jesus him, let him read the verse. Hold on, hold
5: on, brother. Oh, hey, brother, 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 and, and brother, 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 Me and Nate was talking was talking have been having about, a good well, discussion.
0: But, but well, well, hang on, hang on, CEO, yeah, because I wanted to make a. Uh, CEO, you, you're you're really choppy and staticky. Um,
5: yeah, he we'll needs to understand. I've been waiting a minute. And we've been having well, a good conversation without
0: interruptions. But Harold, I know what you're gonna say, except John one is gonna counter that. So yeah. wherever we're talking about this
5: it about this, mate. Harold. What verse am I reading?
0: Chapter two, verse five. Yeah. You're wasting everyone's time. Okay. For it was not uh for it was not two angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. Wait, only verse five?
5: So what world was he referring to in verse 3 of chapter 1? In verse
0: 3 of chapter
5: 1. Verse 2, I'm sorry.
0: It's talking about the earth, except reconcile the entire chapter of John 1. So what you're doing, and maybe what CEO was saying, which we'll let him hear in a minute, hopefully the static's fixed. But if we're talking about this earth, if we're talking about this planet... That doesn't mean it's only this planet. Just because these couple of verses reference this planet, and then trying to say this planet and these verses reference this entire conversation. No, because that's subsumed in John 1, where it says everything, nothing exists that was not made through Jesus. Not this matter, not this planet, not this universe, not this spiritual world, not consciousness. So it's this this planetary argument you're raising. I agree, and I would probably agree with what you're about to say next about the interpretation, but I would say that's not where it stops. It's subs- this whole thing, this planet, is subsumed in John 1, which is everything. Uh, but Give a quick response, Harold, and then we'll see if CEO, um, if we can hear him.
5: No, I'm good. I'm done.
0: Uh, CEO, you want to try again? Can you hear me? Uh, yes, that's that's good.
6: Okay. Um, Harold, so are, are you ultimately going with um, Jesus, you know, signified the new world order, and when we're talking about foundation of the world, it's the foundation of the world that began with Jesus when he was on earth. Is that where you're going, or if not, tell us where you're going?
5: The new world order started when he was set upon the holy hill of Zion, and that happened according to the Apostle Paul in the in Acts chapter 13, verse 28 through uh, 35, when he was resurrected from the dead, quite literally. So if the New World Order was started at the point of the resurrection and he was killed before it was started, that's when he was the, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. I e just like what Hebrews two five says the world to come, which we're talking about.
6: All right. So Nate, do you understand the filter he's working from now? I I do, and
0: I I get more err than most when people like try to slow walk me and make me understand something. It's like just get to the end and then let's talk about it and save time because I I understand the filter and I by the way as a Christian, you probably don't want to lead things with talking about your religion and and saying the new world order, just, just a heads up. Probably don't want to associate yourself with the new world order. Um, but no, I mean, we're talking about everything, right? So it doesn't matter if we're talking about a world to come, a world that was a world that is just everything. So, so it's like the last 10 minutes of this conversation. Yeah. I mean, deal with John one. Like if we're talking about like this planet, this world, I, I get his point. Um, But the larger point is everything. So it doesn't matter if you're talking about this world, a new world, a previous world, a heavenly world, a spiritual world. If it exists, that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. Is that Nate?
5: What's what's the issue with walking through the scripture instead of just sitting here dialoguing and giving our theories and all this stuff?
0: Why not just go directly into the scripture? Because... I mean that kind of sounds Hebrew Israelite-ish. Well, you can go to the scripture if it's making a good point, but we all knew the point it was going to, and I'm just sitting here waiting to say, okay, John one, John one, John one, John one. But it's like instead, it's like now read this. Now like I may as well, maybe 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 I've been traumatized. Maybe I have PTSD. So many people have like, go back and read. Go back and read Isaiah. Go back and read Isaiah 41 in the King James version. So maybe ah.
5: It don't have to be King James, but Nate. I'm not a Hebrew Israelite, but that's pretty. But respectfully, brother, that's pretty bad. That diving into the scripture, walking through the scripture, and studying it out is is some is being is being equated with his he, so-called Hebrew Israeliteism. You're you're putting that in a negative connotation. Harold, I, mean, I sinners, Harold, pretty bad. To do that,
0: Nate. Harold, I
7: don't think that's what Nate is saying. I think what
0: Native But that's saying verbatim is. what he said. He said, that's not a very Hold on. Okay, on, hang think, on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, Marquise, me... hang on. We'll let you talk in a second. Let me let me defend myself real quick. No, Harold, I'm. Real, doing don't two say things that's under... not what he's saying when he legit said that. Okay, Harold, I'm done with you, bro. I don't know. Let me just clarify. So, saying two things happened and one is bad and trying to say because of that I'm relating the scripture is bad. No, studying the scripture is not bad. That's not what I'm saying. Marquise is right, but, you know, I'll speak for myself real quick. So, I'm not not saying walking through scripture is bad. I mean, we do scripture. We walk through scripture every day, all day. So, do you think I really think walking through scripture is bad? Of course not. So, believe in the Trinity, by the way, um, because these lines of logic you're following is severely flawed. So, you have to think that Nate hates scripture every day when he lives by it. He walks by it. He like spits it out like constantly. So, does Nate really hate walking through scripture, or? What Nate actually was referring to, does Nate hate, which I said it, you want to talk about verbatim, I said it, replay it, cut it out, clip it, YouTube it. I said, I hate being slow walked to these supposedly grand epiphanies. And it's like very slow, very slow when people are like wanting me to see a grand thing and be like, oh my gosh, you were right the whole time. You've correctly twisted scripture in a way that I don't recognize it. And now I believe like you. That's what I have an aversion to. So if you're going to speak through scripture, do it rightly. So when we're trying to like, jump from chapter to chapter and use verse by verse, read it in context, read everything in context and including the totality of scripture. So you're saying Nate hates walking through scripture. Nate hates bastardizing scripture. Nate hates cherry picking scripture. Nate wants to take the whole totality of scripture. So just like I was saying, my experiences with black Hebrew Israelites, peace be upon them, where they want me to go to like Isaiah 40 and then Jeremiah and then Ezekiel. And they want to like twist these scriptures out of context and torture the word of god to make it fix their demonic slave trade doctrine that's what i hate and when it feels like the same thing is happening from another espousing christian that's the thing i was saying nate does not like Woo. um anyways harold it just feels like i dropped you i hate doing that but i mean it feels like i don't know if if you're really like bob's apprentice or disciple or who you're talking to but it feels like um kind of the same dissective practice like you want to ask like I just got these questions. I'm a humble truth seeker. I just want to know what you think. And then it kind of twists. Um, And you want to end up teaching and you want to end up like, I don't know, poisoning the well. And that's not cool. Like we talked earlier, someone was looking for the most peaceful religion that they could follow. And I'm like, do you not care about accuracy? And they're like, you just care about peace and nicefulness. I'm like, look, I want someone to tell me where they stand. If you're a Muslim who thinks I'm going to burn in Muslim hell for being a Christian, tell me that. I want to know what you honestly believe. I don't want you to like come being deceiving or something like that to try to like lead me somewhere and then be like, aha, now you see. I just had to let you see it and work yourself out through it. Like that's that's ah that's slimy, man. Don't do that. And I, I hope you weren't doing that. I hope I did misunderstand understand you that time, but that, that made me feel like I need a shower in holy water. Um Marquise, what's up, Marquise? How are you? Nice to see you.
7: Yeah, what's up? What's going on, boss? Um, So you defended yourself incredibly well. Um, I was going to say from an academic, so less personally in terms of like specific to you, but from an academic standpoint, if you're talking to people who are in any degree intellectual, scholarly, then if we know the same foundational talking points, we don't have to establish those talking points. Suffice it to say, we can treat our conversations like writing a paper. We make our premise, our statement, and we give a citation. That's how I speak. That's how most people who are actually studied and doing these you know, particular things speak. And if we need to give several citations for the points and subpoints points or uh, premises and conclusions that we have to make, we can do that, right? Um, I've, I've, I've done that in... Plenty of apologetic conversations, right? When we're talking about Christology or whatever, and somebody says, hey, show me a scripture that shows that Jesus Christ is God. I'll go to Philippians 2, 5 through 8, and then I'll start there, and I'll just speak about what that means. You know, he's informed God, more faith to you. That's Philippians 5, uh, sorry, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, and then I'll continue to talk about it, and I'll talk about him being distinct from the Father, and then I'll give another scripture. I don't have to read the scripture. I can reference it. With the understanding that if we are, we have the same book in front of us, well, you can go and fact check me and say, oh, hey, that scripture that you just referenced, that doesn't make sense. The scripture that you, refer- that you just referenced doesn't logically follow. But we don't have to go when, when, when Nate is talking about slow walking, it's read this out of context, read this out of context. Somebody said in the chat, you got to get the context by going chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Well, if we both have read the same chapter and verse, hopefully when I say Philippians 2— five through eight you know what four says and you know what nine says because we're talking about the same book that we read you know but we're speaking at i hate to say this in a way that sounds condescending but a specific tier or level of intellect in terms of scholarship based on what we've read based on what we know so it's like you're not talking to people who don't know the bible you're talking to people who understand the bible in context so just give your point give a citation that makes things go quicker that's the first thing. The second thing I was saying is in terms of the whole world thing, age thing, new world order thing, there's a conflation of meaning there. When we get words like world in the King James Version, they come from different Greek words. Sometimes it's like uh, aionion, which means age, and some translations will translate it as age, like before the foundations of the world. But you're saying before the foundations of the world, and it's talking about cosmos which is creation, the universe, but you're using it like it's before the foundation of the age, like the new world order. That's not a new planet. That's not a new creation. That's a new age, a new period of time uh, that is majorly distinguished from previous or subsequent periods of time. So you got to understand how, what words you're using and why you're using those words. The King James version will say world for age, for eternity, for creation, for all mankind, um, for all of those different things. But there are actually Greek words, different Greek words that we use to translate to the same English word world. So you can't conflate them. And this is why, you know, Nate goes to John chapter one, because it talks about everything ever created, whether it's an age, whether it's a period of time, because God created time, whether it's a humanity because god created humanity or jesus created humanity both statements are true so that's i just wanted to to put that out there as far as if you're trying to swap them you know before the foundations of the world that's cosmos right um ushering in a new age that's not cosmos that's probably aeonion or aeon. it's a different greek word comes with a completely different set of connotations and denotations i'm done speaking
0: uh see you do you have anything to say can we
6: bring this. him back up?
0: Uh, yeah, you guys can talk. I got to finish some stuff up. I got about 10 minutes and then I'm going to have to run. But yeah. And, and Harold, yeah, I don't know. It's going back up.
6: Cuz Harold, I just want to ask you like do you understand that like our concern is that There's a lot of things you could attempt to make a point with with the Bible and then come up with scriptures isolated, and it seemed true. Um, Once um, the atheist Joy Wolf was trolling a Christian, and she was saying Satan was a good guy in the Bible, and she pointed to the scriptures about God ordering people to die and Satan not doing that, and she listed, like, four scriptures. So you can make any kind of point cherry picking in that sort of way we just don't think that's the most useful way to approach
5: yeah brother you're making a point that's not even needful and i'll tell you why because you guys are blaming me for so-called cherry cherry picking scripture when i walked with nate through the first chapter of hebrews to the second chapter. So we quite literally went chapter by chapter. And I did that. I gave him only three verses because I didn't want to take up too much time. Secondly, I'll say this. I am more than happy to walk through every single verse in Hebrews chapter one. I am more than happy to visit Every single one of those Old Testament prophecies and texts that are being written, that are being referenced, we can read all every single one of those prophecies in its context to show what the writer Hebrews is speaking of. And lastly, I have a problem when you guys are saying, oh, you can you can make the Bible say whatever you want to say. But all of this started from me bringing up the fact that I asked Matt Slick a simple question based off of something that he said. I said, where is the concept of eternal fellowship in the Bible? Matt Slick could not do it. He even said it out of his own mouth. You're asking me too hard of a question. So I asked Nate. Now, Nate Actually, did a better job than that because I mean at least he went through some scriptures. We might disagree, but at least he went to some scripture. And then I asked, okay, based off of one of those scriptures, I said, Uh, what does it mean that he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world? Nate didn't go to any scripture. So I said, Okay, well, I'll demonstrate it according to what I believe. So the point that you guys so, are making so Harold, that, that, that people makes can... Sense.
6: can you respond to the point about John 1? Do you have a, a response?
5: Say that one more time. I got cut off, so I didn't hear you.
6: Um, I'm sorry. Nate or Apostle, can you give him, um, Harold, the, the verse in John you were referencing? And
0: it starts at John... Uh- I mean, John 1, 1, to be in context, but it's around 5 or 6. It talks about nothing was made that has been made through him, Like nothing exists that wasn't made through the word, Jesus.
5: <laughs> Where is Jesus called the word? What word is that referring to in John chapter 1?
0: If you say it's a thought in the mind of God, I may have to balk you forever. Just kidding, but hopefully not. No, it's very very clear. You want scripture. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And then if you keep on going, it says the word in John 1, 14, it says the word became flesh. And then if people are still confused in Revelation, I believe it's 21, six and seven, it says uh, he was riding, riding a horse. He was wearing a robe dipped in blood and his name was called the word of God. Yeah. So that's where, so when people say, you know, the word of God? No, that just means uh, God had a thought, and no, that, that's abjectly wrong. Like John one one, the word was God. John 1-14, the word became flesh. Revelation nineteen, thank you. See, you know, um, his name is called the word of God. This is Jesus in His return, so that Jesus is the word of God.
5: Right, and see, that's the that's the thing, and I respect you for at least giving some reference points, but. The thing is, John chapter one is not talking about the word of God, per se, as being referenced in Revelation 19. It's actually speaking okay. about the. It's actually speaking about the word of life, according to first John, chapter one, um, actually, according to the first 10 verses, in fact. So it's two different things. But but Harold, that, can you qualify that? that
7: for, can you qualify that real quick? I thank you for the reference. Can you can you expound on why it's two different
5: things? Yeah. So you have words such as word of life, word of truth, word of God, all these various things. They're actually associated with different things throughout the text. But specifically with John chapter one. I'll start with, uh, let's say the first, I'll just start with the first five verses. It says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things. Now, this is now verse three is sometimes where I have an issue with. Now, of course, I'm reading from the King James, but there are other Bible translations that actually have the word it there instead of he. um, Which I think actually makes a little bit more sense. So when you when you read it, verse three, as all things were made by it and without it was not anything made that was made. Um, You can still use the word he, the he would be God. So either way, it doesn't really make much of a difference. Um, But specifically, verse four and five, it says in him was life and the word was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, I say that the word there that's being speaking of is the word of life. First John, chapter one, quite literally explains John one. Here it says that which was from the beginning, just like John one says in the beginning, which we have heard is something that was heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Meaning it was made clear, manifested, demonstrated, which we have looked upon with our hands uh, or excuse me, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Paul uses the same type of language in, I believe, second Corinthians chapter four, handling the word of God, uh, handling not the word of God deceitfully. Verse two, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested unto us. Somebody could say, oh, with the father. So that means that there was another person uh, According to Trinitarian verbiage, the person of the word uh, was with the father. I say otherwise, because just a second, just a second. Verse three, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that we also may have fellowship, that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Just to jump down, actually, to verse five and six. This then is the message we have heard of him. Declare unto you that God is light; in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So it's speaking specifically about the word of life. Not the word. So, of life. so, so.
0: Hey, the hang point- on, wait, wait, hang on, hang on. Can, can I, I, I? This is this is killing my face. I'll even do this in King James. It doesn't matter. You don't need to interpret.
5: You, I can just, read a different version. No, hold
0: on. No, you don't need a different version. Your your own version, interesting choice, bears this out. Just keep reading. Instead of skipping around verse to verse, I you did a better job. You read more of them. If you keep reading, well, all right, let me read it in this till, till uh, just bear with me. I'm going to read a lot. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made, uh, anything that was made without him was not anything made that was made in him was life. And the life was the light of, of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness hasn't overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came bear, came to bear witness about the light, the true light, <clears throat> which gives light to the world was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet no one, uh, Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God. For who who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory As of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, John bore witness about him and cried, This is he of whom I said, He comes after me, yet ranks before me, because he was before me. From all of his fullness we have received, grace upon grace. For the law giveth through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. There is no way you can come up with whatever you said like if you just keep reading and don't stop short read it in context this is jesus upon jesus upon jesus there's no way around it
5: so what does it mean that the world was made fleshly i could keep reading but i didn't want to be
0: long-winded
7: so can um I, can i respond to that
5: you didn't no, want don't to be long-winded
0: or wrong <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah, you guys uh, all, all got to hurry. Uh, yeah, CEO and then Apostle and then Jesse, you're up here if you want to say something. So yeah, have a So, question.
6: so, so, so Harold, I, I just What have does it mean
5: that the word was
6: Harold, can I just ask you a question? It's a big picture question. It's not combative. Can you just share with us kind of how you came to this perspective and why it is personally important to you?
5: You said, can I share with you why or
6: how you you came to this perspective and why is it personally
5: important to you? How I came to the perspective and why it's personally important for me? Yes. Oh, that's a good question. Um, It goes back to just like what I asked um, Matt Slick, for example, last night. He uh, brought up the concept of eternal fellowship, so I said, okay, well, how can you okay, how can you
0: demonstrate eternal fellowship? You got a lot of feedback, Carol, a lot of wind.
5: Okay, I'll stop real quick. So it goes back to like the example of I gave with Matt Slick. Mm-hmm. I said, can you demonstrate uh, throughout the scriptures, starting with the law and the prophets, the idea of eternal fellowship? And he quite literally said that I asked him a hard question. So I said, okay, fine. Take that instance and magnify it to the greatest uh, uh, greatest number you can. I've run into people time and time again. There's a lot of questions that I've that I've asked about the Trinity uh, doctrine and the idea of it, even on the oneness side. You know, Jesus being God. The idea of a trinity, you know, all these various things. And can it be demonstrated eloquently from the law and the prophets on down to the end of the New Testament? And nobody has quite literally been able to do that. So I'm not saying I'm not going to necessarily say entirely that the Trinitarians are wrong. And I'm not going to say that entirely the oneness are wrong. But when it comes to the actual articulation of these doctrines, being founded from the law and the prophets all the way to the new testament it's like so many people have trouble doing it so it's like okay i question i question this because because somebody say oh we could just read john one no let's start from the law and the prophets because that's where it's based sorry i had to mute because i got a lot of background noise but but yeah it's that I have a problem when people just jump to the new testament and come to the conclusion without getting the actual background and foundation of everything from the law and the prophets and they just read the new testament and they just it's like that's not how that's not doing the text justice you know but that's it's exactly what like, you did all right well,
6: that's a rub. I mean, so Harold, I understand what you're saying. Uh, do you understand how Trinitarians get to their perspective reading the Bible? Do you understand how they land on that and why? Does it seem irrational to you to land on that perspective?
5: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I understand how. And you know what I've found? And I'm not going to say this is in all cases, But the majority of Trinitarians that I've run into uh, both on this app and outside of this app, they always start with these these, uh, hypotheses and theories from logic and philosophy and, you know, and all these different things instead of just starting strictly with the Scripture. That's, and and, that's and,
6: Mar- and you don't, you don't think you can start strictly with the scripture and land on the Trinity?
0: Guys, I, I apologize. I want to get Marquise and Jesse. I really have to go. But Harold, how many times have you heard me, the very first thing in my mouth when someone says Trinity, the first page of the Bible? You want the Law and Prophets? Let's go before that. Genesis, the first page of the Bible. And like verse 20, that's where you go. That's the very first verse in the in the Bible where we see the triune nature of God. Uh, Marquise, you gotta got to speak, and then I, I really do have to run.
7: Yeah, I'm going to go fast, right? So you're saying, I always think it's interesting when people indict philosophy and logic as if the Bible was written absent of philosophy and logic. And philosophy gets a bad name because, oh, that must mean something that's totally atheistic and devoid of any you know, uh, injection or or interception with God, when philosophy just means a system of ideas that work together. And most people don't know that definition. They never actually Googled or defined what philosophy is. It's just English is a philosophy. There is a philosophy behind English. In order for me to communicate with you, there has to be a system of ideas about nouns, verbs, adjectives, adverbs, subjects, uh, predicates, prepositions, syntax. There's a system of ideas. Otherwise, we have no baseline of doing anything. You can't have anything without some brand of philosophy. I just like to throw that in there because we have to think. We have to, if you're going to read in any translation, Greek, Hebrew, English, King James, Amplified, when you read John 1, you have to do so with philosophy. It's impossible not to, right? So, that, I feel like that's, a, that's honestly a scapegoat. I feel like that's a, a, a shot towards the way people conceptualize things because if you can't critically interact with, them, I'm not saying you, Harold, I'm saying generally, I'll speak generally as you did. People often will say these kinds of things when they can't critically interact with some serious logical fallacies and holes that are poked in people's reasoning. Right. Simple. Even if we were going to say it, this is a logical or apologetic uh, demonstration, right, where you temporarily concede to your, quote unquote, opponent's idea and then logically walk it all the way out to show it that it's false. Right. That's a debate tactic. I'll use this very briefly. Even if we were to concede that it wasn't a he, it was an it, and the grammar doesn't say so, it may say it in certain translations for maybe the first half of cha- uh, John chapter 1, but it very decidedly in other translations will always refer back to a he when it starts
5: talking about the I already conceded name. to that point, Marquise.
7: No, I know, I know, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is, even if you say it, it nonetheless says it was made flesh. And at some point, it's going to start saying it or stop using the neuter uh, personal pronoun, it, and it's going to start using a masculine personal pronoun, especially when it's after it's talking about, um, sorry, I'm walking, so I'm winded. After it's talking about him being made flesh, it's going to start saying him. When it starts talking about John the Baptist, it's not using the neuter anymore in the Greek. So even if you're going to base it off of sort of this, and only come from the scripture, if you return to the original text, what you will see is it, 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 it becomes a he, 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 for the rest of the book, it's he, you don't see, um, you know, John the Baptist talking about him saying this is the one, you know, of whom it was spoken, and using an it, or it's talking about a human being, a man, right, and so again, In order for you to, in order for a lot of these perspectives to be held, you kind of got to divorce some logic, some reasoning, which isn't possible because that's how we comprehend. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. Back to what you said, as far as there's a, a word of God and then a word of life and then a word of truth, and they sometimes mean different things. When you went from John chapter one to first John chapter one, you didn't actually show a distinction between the word of God the word and the word of life
5: i have limited time I, I have limited time i can't I know, no, it would take right, more right. time to be able to do that you know that no, I,
7: right sure but i'm saying it's also not possible because of the grammar once again that grammar keeps us all in check it's not about how much time you had the grammar isn't there what the grammar does is it refers to john chapter one and it says the word which we've talked about or, the, the you know, the word that is from God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is life, which John says word of life, word of light, word of God. It's all there. And in terms of how do we get word of God? But when you go further down in in first uh, not in first John, in the gospel of John, it says only begotten of God. So this word that's been a it this entire time in John uh, uh, in gospel of John, chapter one. It straight up says that it was begotten of God, which
0: is where we get the word "of God."
3: That's where the there. God there is that... no neuter pronoun in the Greek. There is no. But yeah,
0: Je- Jesse, go ahead and say whatever you want to say, and then I really do have to run. And we've got like three minutes. I'm like literally trying to get out there. Let me, let me,
5: no, let me say this before. Oh, I, I, can't, go. I, can't, no, go. Hell, I can't. I can't. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait hold on. no, no, wait, no,
0: wait, no, wait. nope. Everyone, stop. Can't, can't help it. Can't. I do have. I have to go. I have to go. Jesse, say what you want to say, and then I have to run. If you guys want more time, be here tomorrow. Justin, go ahead. Say what you want to say.
3: All right. Please, I think they, I've, I've heard people talk about this. I think they're talking about the hutos. Hutos is not. It's not an it. The it is only derived in context because they're they don't have properly the word for it in Greek, as far as I'm aware. So there's hutos, but that's a near demonstrative pronoun, if you will, meaning this, right? This or these, singular or plural. It does not mean it. Right, It doesn't operate in the same way as a, like a masculine or feminine pronoun, which also, like autos or alte, those don't always mean he or she either. Those can be way more flexible. There's just no it whatsoever when it uses hutos in Greek in in John 1. It's referring back to the word as the nominative in those sections, right? So it's saying, right, this was in our... it's saying, this was in the beginning with God. This, referring to the antecedent, being the nominative ha-lagos in the prior sentence. So it's, there's no it. I don't know where everyone's talking about it. There is no it.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Jesse. Guys, if you want to continue this, I'll be here tomorrow. Michael, uh, final words. We're all crazy. All right. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Everyone take care. Have an awesome day. See you guys later.